to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. everybody how's it going happy sunday god thank you for today thank you for all the blessings in our lives especially this blessing of the life that you have given us you are a provider and our god sovereign over all things and we worship you together in fellowship now thank you for all we have the promise of heaven
Good morning, church. Welcome, friends. Glad you're here. Um, there's a couple announcements I just wanted to make us aware of, and then we'll pray and dismiss the kids. The Partners Banquet is coming up on October 23rd. They're selling tickets out in the lobby. Uh, Kathy and Keith are out there, so definitely check that out. We started the Operation Christmas Child drop-off this week, so if you guys want to be a part of that, you can get boxes out in the lobby, and you can drop them off at the lobby. So just fill them up and bring them back here. That's going to be going until the middle of November. Um, and then there's Class 101 today. Anything that you want to know uh, that's happened in the church, you can find it in your bulletin. Elkie does an awesome job of putting that all in there, so we just want to have that available for you. And uh, yeah, we're glad you're here. At this time, this is where we dismiss our kids, but... Let's just pray really quick. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you just for what you have planned for us this morning. God, we thank you for the word that you've given Floyd to speak. Lord, I pray that he would speak as he did the first service, just boldly and clear. God, I thank you for the revelation you've given him for the sake of this body. And Lord, I pray that as we just continue forward on what it means to be kingdom citizens and what it means to be your children, Lord, that you would just continue to grow within us a foundation that is secure as we walk uh, closer in line with you and in the world that you've given us to live in. Lord, we thank you for every teacher in this church that pours out their hearts for our kids. Lord, I pray that as the kids go to a children's church this morning, that you'd be glorified in those uh, classes. God, that the gospel would be spoken clearly that you'd give wisdom and just a clear voice to the teachers, Lord, and that you'd just be with all of our kids this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have kids, you're more than welcome to bring them to kids' church at this time. Um, junior high meets out in the front in the overflow room, the roots room. And if you don't have kids, you're more than welcome to stand with us. We're going to continue to worship.
Thank you, worship team. Awesome. Powerful. In between services, I was looking at uh, scripture in Acts. It says um, that the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. <laughs> we're, we're his house. <laughs> we are the city of God. We're, we're Mount Zion. And um, it's... it's uh, God who has made us. Um, we're going to continue this morning with the latter part of our series. Uh, I think we have one more in the series on the kingdom of God. And um, um, I honestly, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. And I think that God has a whole lot more um, revelation for us in terms of the kingdom. And I am... Uh, earnestly seeking the Lord for revelation uh, in this area. In other words, I'm in the secret place of prayer, and I am praying, God, show me your kingdom. Show me what it, how it works. What, what is, how is it comprised? How is it configured? How might I encounter and experience your kingdom more fully, and I'm praying that for all of us. I'm praying that earnestly for Friends Church. Uh, so we're going to continue in that. I want to take up the offering real quick, and uh, Lord, I want to thank you for uh, prospering us and causing us to be in health and, and giving us prosperity in every respect, and I pray that, God, you will bless the people who give today, the the, uh, the, that which they give, Lord, will be multiplied back to them and that, God, it will be a thing, ultimately it will continue to grow and be a thing that is a, a, an event in the kingdom of God to give. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, when, a lot of times when I get up here and give messages, I, I think, well, i got a lot of time right now. And so I, I kind of take my time and I piddle along in the message. No, that's not the right thing to say, is it? <laughs> uh, I uh, continue in the message, and uh, then it seems like everything gets extended in the first part and in the middle, and then the last part, I realize I hardly have enough time to finish. So today, I'm going to finish at the beginning. In other words, I'm going to talk about the end where I'm trying to get to first. And um, that is... I want to emphasize today the secret place. And what I mean by secret place, I mean you and God alone together with his word. And what that, what happens in the secret place and how the secret place can become a, a, a great joy to you. And um, I was uh, in a 
uh, prayer yesterday with a, a small group and um, uh, Charmaine Thomas was there and she was talking about something that related to the secret place and I'd like to have her come up if you could Charmaine are you in here there you are um, she is an awesome woman of prayer and uh, delights to come to prayer meetings and you know prayer for me is the most fun of all it really is so go ahead and tell them what you told us yesterday yeah good luck I'm not the guy to do this does this switch on He's going to help us, somebody. I can't get my finger on that. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so yesterday we was in prayer and we was talking about the secret place. And the illustration we com compared it to was like um, a relationship with your mate. It's like, um, like when you first meet your boyfriend and your girlfriend or your husband and your wife, and you don't know anything about them, but the only thing that attracts you to your mate, as far as a man, would be her beauty. But when he starts talking, then for a woman, it's going to be his words. So it's just like the same illustration when you come into God's presence. You know, at first, you don't, you know, all you know that he went to the cross, he died for our sins. But as you continue to bask in his presence, continue to pray, continue to read his word, then you start finding out who he is, um, you know, and then you start finding out his characteristics. And, um, and it's just like your relationship with your husband or your wife or your boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, you know, they don't have to, you don't have to ask your boyfriend or your girlfriend, are you going to text me today? Are you going to call me today? You don't have to. But because they're so intrigued, and because of the love and the desire that you want to get to know your mate, you automatically do those things because you want to know more of them. And as y'all continue to, you know, establish a relationship and continue to, you know, have um, go out on dates and stuff, you started knowing more and more about your mate. And then, you know, he tells you what he like. He tells you, tell him what you dislike, and then some things that they dislike, then you know, you just automatically just start not doing those things because you know your mate don't like that. But it's the same thing with Jesus. As you continue to bask in his presence, continue to get in his secret place, then he start molding you into the man or the woman that he called you to be. And then, you know what, it won't be a struggle for you to commune with God, but because of the love and the passion and that what you experience with God, you automatically want to do those things, and nobody don't have to tell you that. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys, you guys all, you, you fall in love with somebody, it's like, you don't have to tell that couple. I want you to be, remember to text them. Remember to email that thing. Remember to call them on the phone. Remember to go over and spend time together. None of that. No, no, you don't need to do that. They're like, you know, two magnets pulling together. They're just, that's the way the secret place is. And I want to tell you that my, the best part of my day 
is when I come in here every morning, I get up early, like, you know, four, four to six, somewhere in there, I get up, and I, I actually go as fast as I can to get here. I'm hoping all the lights are green. I am, you know, I'm trying to get here because this is what I love. I love the secret place. And that's a place where God, like, like Charmaine is saying, that's the place where you get to know God. And, and what's really cool as well is that he begins to tell you who you are. He shows you who he is, and he begins to impart his heart to you and show you who you are. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about who and what you are and how you can become that person. The person that God had in mind the day you were born. And when you see that person, when you begin to see yourself in the spirit, when God begins to speak prophetically to you and give you revelation about who and what you are, you are going to, you, it is going to take all the competition and all the comparison out of your mind. Because every strand of DNA in your body and every neural pathway in your mind is going to resonate with that person that God is showing you who he's created you to be. Because you're wired to be that person. And yet so many of us don't get to that point. And so many of us, it's like the word revelation. Wow, that's like some guy up on a mountaintop, you know, that's just in a monastery somewhere. He might get a revelation. No, revelation is something, it's an unveiling that should take place every day. Every time I come into the secret place, it's like, bam, the light goes on. And I start seeing things. And... And, and sensing things, not only for myself, but for you. In fact, I hope that today's message is from heaven, a download into my heart for you. But even if it's not for you, it's for me. I mean, I, am, I, am, I got filled up this week with just prophetic insight. I say prophetic, I mean spiritual insight into God, into his word, into his mind, his heart. Not only for me, but for you. And so I want to look into it. I want to look into the process about going from where you are right now, where even where you came from the day you were born again to the ultimate day when you discover, not only discover, not only understand who and what God's called you to be, but you actually become that person and start walking as that son or daughter of God that he's called you to be. And it's so awesome when that happens. And, and, and at the same time, we're always, we're, we're evolving in the spirit. We're being transformed continually more and more and more into the image of Christ in a unique way. Each one of us is so unique. Do you know that, that the, the, there's, a, there's a verse in uh, 1 uh, Corinthians 15 that talks about the glory of one star differs from another. 
Do you know that the galaxies, the stars are so distant and so far apart in, in the galaxy, even though when you look at them, it looked like a, like a cluster, like you get those pictures of the Milky Way, but that, that there are actually such vast distances between each individual star that two galaxies could pass through one another and not one star touch another. That is the uniqueness and glory of every individual man and woman of God. And when you begin to see your uniqueness, all competition, comparison, and all that stuff that, that the world system you know, indoctrinates us with passes away. And that's a place of freedom. That's a place of incredible joy. Peter talked about joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you know, as I was putting this message together, and as I was just reading my notes, I started looking at the words hope kept coming up and glory kept coming up. So I want to look at that transition, okay? And I, I put this up on the board. It's kind of a review, and if you don't understand what I'm about to say, because I'm going to go briefly over this, then you can go back to the um, Friends Church website and listen to my message from August the 30th when I went into more detail on this. Or, even better, you can come to my 301 class, which I offer, and seems like I get an overwhelmingly minimal response to, for some reason. Uh, maybe you hear me here and you go, no, well, what I want any more of that? You know, him? No. Uh -uh. Anyway, uh, what's, what I've got here is is basically uh, the whole history of mankind. And, and it starts out here in the garden with this tree. I hope you guys can see over here. Uh, but it starts out here in the garden, represented by this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, good and evil, then established a standard of measure, good versus evil. And at the point that Adam exited the garden, all of a sudden, he was left to his own sufficiency for everything. I mean, in the garden, he had everything. It was all provided for him. But once he exited, he had to depend on himself. And so we have self-sufficiency, which requires performance. And when man began to organize and form, you know, villages and towns and cities and, and then whole civilizations, this thing occurred. This is what was built out of, out of the self-sufficiency and performance, which was, this represents the world system. I call it the matrix. If you've seen the movie The Matrix, that's what this represents, where you have a few people up here in superiority and the majority down here in inferiority, and it's all based on performance. And, and the uh, situation in Egypt was symbolic of this situation that I'm describing in which the children of Israel were enslaved and in total destitution and poverty. And that's where we are in God. In fact, this week as I studied, as I was looking this over, I, I suddenly realized that, and I'll get into this a little bit more later, but I suddenly realized that when Adam came out of that garden, he entered into poverty in so many ways. A poverty of things that, you know, normally I think of poverty, I think of, of, of children eating out of, the, uh, out of the dump in Manila or Calcutta. That's poverty. 
That's one part of poverty. And it's not even from the heavenly perspective when, when, when all of the angels and seraphim and God and Holy Spirit, they all look at us, they look at, they look at the poverty of mankind, which is the poverty of the glory of God. Huge love deficits. Poverty of holiness. Poverty of relationship with God and relationship with one another. It's an entire poverty mindset that we have. It creates fear. It creates self-preservation. And so many other things. And so, and so when Adam fell, there was this in, incredible poverty that came into the world. Then this represents the, the tables of st- the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, which were basically a CAT scan of who and what we really are outside of God. You understand that? Okay, 301 will explain all that. And which, which then shows us, this shows us who we are in Adam. You understand that the whole human race came out of Adam. And that Adam was dead in trespasses and sins because he disobeyed God. And, and so a person who is dead can only produce another person that's dead. You can't, a dead person can't produce a live person. And when I say dead and alive, I'm talking about in the spirit. Obviously, I'm not talking about being physically dead. You understand that? The terminology. And so there's some things in your notes. It, it says uh, in Romans 5.12, Through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death passed to all men. That's the condition that we have. It's a condition of total poverty. And I felt sorry for President Obama this last week when he was discussing the mass shootings, and his answer was, well, we have to control the gun flow so that people like this don't get guns. That is a poverty mindset and a poverty answer. And can you imagine what God is looking at when, when that goes out from our president? And I don't, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that that's all that, that those in Adam have. We're confined to our earth-only mindset. But God has something more fantastic for us. He has has the whole kingdom of God for us. And so right here in Adam, it it says that all have sinned. And this is, you know, this is just like I saw the poverty in this verse. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We We don't think of the fact that, well, they've sinned and so they've fallen Short of the glory? Yeah, short of the glory. That's the concern. That's the heavenly perspective on man's condition. That you've fallen from the glory. You've fallen short. You, you should have the glory of God. You were made for glory. But as a result of what has taken place, there's a huge glory deficit in the earth. But thank God, because God says, the whole world will know the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth 
as the waters cover the sea. So there's a time of glory that is going to take place on the earth. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Nations will come to your light, and peoples to the brightness of your rising. And that's what I want to talk about today. We need the brightness of our rising to take place in us, and I want to talk to you about how to get there. What is the process? So we don't so that we don't come short, though we don't fall short. We don't have a deficit of the glory of God because that's what we're made for, is God's glory. First uh, Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually perceived. Everything in Adam, if if a person is not born of the Spirit, they are incapable of seeing and perceiving things in the Spirit. And God wants us to really grasp that fact and understand it. So what God has done is right here. He took all that was in Adam. He took Adam. He took the whole human race. Those that receive Christ. He put them in Christ and he crucified each one of us in this room in Christ. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now that that messes with your time-space continuum, but in God's eternal sight, that's exactly what's happened to us. We have been crucified. And what happened was we were crucified, put to death, and then we were buried with Christ. And when we were buried, God buried the old nature, the body of sin that that enslaved us in which we could not free ourselves was buried in the ground. And then he raised us from the dead. And when he raised us from the dead, we became a new species of being. New creations in Christ. Sons and daughters of God, born of the Spirit, born from above. That's who we are. We are created for this. And in John chapter 3, Jesus makes a very profound statement with an with a incredible implication in it. He says, unless you are born from above, unless you are born again, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What's the implication? The implication is that if you are born of the Spirit, born from above, then you can see the kingdom. And you can enter the kingdom. In fact, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness underneath the pyramid, you know, in the whole world system, into the kingdom of God's beloved son. That's what it says. So we are in the kingdom. And at the same time, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. So it's like the oxygen in this room. It's all around us, but it's also in us and flowing to every cell in our body. I don't mean that, I mean the spiritual comparison that we're to be filled 
with the Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God. We are the houses that were not made with hands. This is not humanly fabricated. It's not constructed by human hands. And hopefully, you know, when people stand up here and we preach, it's not a human concoction of our own brains, our own, our own neural pathways, our own brain cells. It's a, it's a download from God and a presentation as an oracle of God, the word of God that he has, because it's something that he wants us to enter into. Because we are to have revelation of the kingdom of God and then experience that kingdom encounter God and then ultimately manifest that kingdom. And I, want to, I just want to point out, these are the verses. Luke 4.18, 2 Corinthians 4.18, and Romans 4.18. And if you, if you look at those in a, in a sandwich form and you eat those words, you're going to be on your way. But it takes place in the secret place, and that's why I brought that up first. Because something happens there that I think doesn't happen anywhere else nearly to the degree that it does when you are alone with God. And you are listening to his voice and you are hearing him and he is opening your eyes. So, let's look at Luke 4.18. So profound, so awesome. I love it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Wow, that's, it was this verse that I was reading and I suddenly went, oh, no, that's not, that's not just material poverty. It's poverty in every respect. But God has a kingdom that is the exact opposite of that. It's a, it's a kingdom of abundance. It's a kingdom of unlimited resources. And when you, when you really begin to get the picture of what God is presenting to us, that he is wanting us to receive, it will open up every area of your thinking. And that's what he's saying. The spirit of the Lord, the anointing is upon me to preach the good news to the poor so that they don't have to be poor anymore. They can be rich in Christ. Rich in God's glory. Rich in God's spirit. Rich in abundant life. Not just life, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. And the greatest thing on the planet is not anything circumstantial. It's it's you being filled with God. So that if you live, if you, if, you got, if you were thrown into a jail cell in solitary confinement, you could live with joy unspeakable and full of glory because the kingdom is within you. You don't need anything out here. You have God. You have the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus in a constant flow of communion and fellowship and love and abundance of glory and his presence and revelation and everything that you could ever desire is in him. 
He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Release to those that are still being like building bricks for Pharaoh's pyramids and and treasure cities. That's what they were doing. They were enslaved to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's a type of the devil. And so recovery of sight to the blind. I believe in divine health. I believe in in divine healing. And I believe that we, right here, right now, in Friends Church, really need to go in this direction. That's my personal feeling. To set free those who are oppressed, those who are brokenhearted, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the year of God's favor. You know, when when you're in Adam... You have a huge deficit. You are living in favor poverty. But when you come into God's kingdom, you begin to see who and what this is all about. You come into a place of abundance. This, this, these verses that I just read to you, these are a kingdom manifesto. A manifesto is a declaration of, it's a public declaration of intent. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he fulfilled his intent. And this intent is a kingdom manifesto because everything that's described here is the kingdom coming on earth. We pray, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what these verses represent. It's a manifesto, and we are to carry out that manifesto. But how do we get there? That's what I'm talking about today. So we have to go to the second verse, 2 Corinthians 4.18. It's just, I love this. It's like so um, quantum physics, you know. It's just great. Paul said, we look, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the unseen things are eternal. So what we have here is we have two categories of things. Okay? We have things that are temporal and seen. And that's what we're looking at right here. And we think, in our minds, oh, wow, this is solid. This is real. And then and you're talking about unseen, eternal things. Well, that's, that's kind of nebulous, and that's sort of uncertain, to, you know, in our minds. But Paul said, my life is centered around looking not at the seen, but the unseen, eternal things. They're things. They're just not visible to the human mind, heart, body. And and so the challenge is is that God is saying, listen, I want to show you the unseen. I want to show you eternal facts, reality. I want to show you a realm that you are not familiar with, that you haven't experienced. 
But I want you to experience it. I want you to see it. I want you to enter it. I want it to enter into you and to the utmost degree so that you can not only have understanding and revelation of it, but you can also experience, encounter, and then manifest the kingdom. I was thinking about Matthew 13, 44, when it says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. And the treasure was hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he went and hid it, and then he, he went and sold everything he had so he could obtain that field. He could buy that field. And I can imagine him coming home to his wife, and he comes in the door, he's all excited, he says, We've got to sell everything we have. It's all got to go. Put it up for sale now. And she's looking at him like, you are out of your mind. You, you, you're flipped. You mean, you, your switch is flipped, and I don't, I don't know what's happening to you, but this is nonsense. No, we're not, you know. But that's what happens when you begin to see the unseen. When you begin to see it, you'll say, oh my God, this is worth everything I have. See, this is what the rich young ruler didn't get. He came to Jesus. Jesus said, sell everything you have and you have treasure in heaven. And he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. But Zacchaeus, who was also a money guy, he saw it. He's like, wow, I'm, I'm in. You guys read read up on that and I won't go into all the details but it says in Matthew 13 11 that God has granted us to know the mysteries of the kingdom there's mysteries we're dealing with mysteries here and God has given us his spirit he's given us the capacity to see it and, and he's given us the capacity to come before him in the secret place and allow him to unfold and reveal the mysteries of God. In fact, that is the whole, I mean, that's a major portion of the Holy Spirit's job. That's his job description, is to take us and, and help us enter into the things of God, to reveal them to us. And they're personal things. The calling of God is, is there's an eternal church from Acts, the second chapter of Acts, all the way through. There's a big picture purpose for the church. Then there's a corporate purpose and calling. And that's who we have been put into relationship with. And that would be the people in this room. We have a corporate calling in God. And how awesome it is when we begin to see it. But then... There is the individual call of God, which fits into both other callings. And that's the one I'm talking about today. I'm talking about you getting in the secret place and God beginning to show you who you are. And that's the unseen things of his spirit. So this might seem, oh, this is wild and crazy and I can't relate to a word of this, but I'm challenging you that what I am saying to you is the word of God. And we just have to start opening up this book and taking it at face value. That's what's got to happen. 
And then you get in the secret place and say, God, what does this mean? And I've done that so many times. And I mean, sometimes for months, I'll just keep going, God, what was that? I didn't understand that. Will you show me that? And then he shows me. Oh, my gosh. So many times. So cool. I remember getting this huge revelation when I was in the back of a taxi in Thailand. It's crazy. Got this download explained. I don't have time to tell you what it was all about, but it's really cool. So we go from Luke 4.18, the kingdom manifesto. Then we understand that like 2 Corinthians 3.18, where it says we, we all, I love this, we all, not just the apostles, not the prophets, not whoever, whatever, not the Nazarites, we all with unveiled face, This in Adam, it's all veiled. Like I said, the natural man can't perceive it. But when you come into Christ, when the Holy Spirit enters in, it's unveiled. And I'm talking about things being unveiled. Beholding as in a mirror. And here we go again. This this is like what I keep seeing. Beholding as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, the excellency, the majesty, the face of Jesus can happen. So I'm talking about. We all, as in a mirror, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We have exited the place of poverty. And God wants to usher us in to the place of abundant glory, life, health, healing, holiness, power, an entire range of all that is in Christ and in his kingdom. And then we go to Romans 4.18. Okay? And this is where, this is really what I want to focus on. It says in Romans 4.17 that God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. At that point, Abraham did not have one biological child. But God, you see, I love the quantum physics, time-space continuum messing your mind up thing where, where he says, I have made you. It's already done. I've already done this. It's past tense. <laughs> this is the eternal realm speaking into the natural temporal realm and going, I've already done something in the spirit. I just wanted to inform you about it. I've made you the father of many nations. Yeah. That's, well, you know. God can do that. And then it says, in hope against hope, he believed. And that's exactly what we have to understand about this whole process. That it's in hope against hope. But it says here, he believed so that he might become. So here we have this, you know, but now we're in time. A minute ago, we're in eternity. God says, I've already made you. That's what you are. Then, in time, he has to take the seed of a word of God, let it come in, let it, you know, settle into his spirit man, hold on to it, and believe. Believe. That's, our, that's, the, biggest, that's the biggest issue we face. Believe. 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 
by the divine enabling power of God in you, the grace to believe. And if you don't have that, then pray for it. Say, God, help me. So, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. What about it? It was as good as dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb since he was about 100 years old. So this is a really old couple. And they're, ba- they're past any uh, human ability to produce children, okay? And so for that reason, it was against hope. God had spoken something. I have made you. But it was against hope. Because you could look in the natural and it's like, oh, that's, a, that's what we call a paradox. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory, glory to God, and being fully assured, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. You remember this? This is all performance of man. This is everything that human hands can create and build and construct. When we we come over here, we're talking about God performing. Because what we have called to be, what we have been called to do, the work that God has given us is above and beyond what is humanly possible. Get used to it. That's why it takes faith. That's why we've got to hear from God, retain that word. But you've got to realize this, that it's against hope. Everything over here is against hope. This is the old mindset. That's all it is. We've already gone through this process. So all that all remains now is the old mindset. And we're going from here to in hope, up here, in Christ. This is where God's calling. This is what, you know, we have, we have photo albums, right? And they show us pictures of the past, right? God has photo albums of our future, and he has pictures, and he takes them, and he shows them to us in the secret place. That's where it happens. It can happen here. It can happen right now. In fact, in some of your minds, you're going, ooh, ah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Lord, you have shown me. You have spoken to me. You, you, you know, and I, I kind of like, you know, it says, see, we go through this process of in hope against hope. The, the primary parable of all the parables of the kingdom was the parable of the sower. And what does it say? The word came, the word was sown, and immediately... Satan came with a contrary thought. Immediately comes to steal the word. And then if that doesn't work, well, then there's affliction and persecution, and and we hope that drives it out of you. And if that doesn't work, well, we have some some seductive things we'd like to work into your life until you feel that you're not qualified, and who are you to think such a thing, etc., etc. But it's all designed to keep you from the fourth Uh, part of the process, which is 30, 60, and 100 fold.
the title of this message is The Paradox of the Kingdom. So when the kingdom seed is planted within us, like it was Abraham, it, it, it was against hope. And that's, you know, I wish I could just lay hands on you and just impart the whole thing, and, and we wouldn't have to go through all this. But God doesn't change it. This is what God has set up. And there's a reason. I don't really understand the reason why it has to be this way, but it is. And it's repeated over and over and over in the scriptures. Moses is called, oh, I can't, I, I can't talk. I got a stuttering problem. Jeremiah, oh, I'm just a youth. What do I know about anything? Gideon, oh, you mighty man of valor. He says, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You don't understand. I'm in the least tribe, the, least, the family is the least in the tribe, and I'm the least in my family. They're going into the land. Into, they're crossing over the Jordan. The ten spies go, oh, no, we're just grasshoppers in their sight. Contrary. This is, the, this is the definition of paradox. A statement or proposal that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a possible truth. Wow. It's a potential truth. Because you have to go from in Adam to in Christ. So it's a potential. But the potential can be lost. Because of our, of our, our old uh, matrix-saturated mindsets. Of which we need radical reprogramming. Because that's what that blue arrow represents. It represents reprogramming of your natural, carnal, religious, earthbound matrix mindsets. And mine too. Okay. Wow. So much in the word about how contradictory things are. An opinion or statement contrary to commonly accepted opinion or belief. Every time. Guaranteed. Thank you, Lord. A thing exhibiting apparently contradictory characteristics. Like okay, guys, we're out in the desert. There's 10,000 people. Where are we going to get some food for them to eat? And they're looking around. Oh, man, we got, nah, we got nothing, man. You know, let's send them away. That's, that's contradictory circumstances and characteristics of what is about to happen. But in the kingdom, Jesus says, give me what you got, have them sit down, multiply the fish and the loaves. Hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. Boom. In the middle of the lake is a storm. It's just the way it works. And I'm sorry it wouldn't, couldn't be easier and like just snap your fingers. That's what the, you know, that's, what, that's how we pray so much of the time. We don't want the challenge. We don't want the, all the mess. But we got to go through that mess. Okay? Because what God wants to do is he wants us to go from Manifesto to manifestation. And I got two more things to tell you, and we're done. Um, First of all, I want to explain this. Because in everyday life, this is, I think, is a great little illustration. And I don't think I've spoken to you about this up from up here, so... Hopefully most of you haven't heard this, but this is something that you get in 301. 
and it's our normal Christian everyday experience, okay? Because here's what happens. You get in the secret place, you open this book, and you read, okay? And let's say that you read the little story about Jesus, and he's preaching on the shore to the multitudes, right? And then he, say, he calls over one of these, he calls over Peter with a boat, he gets in the boat, and, um, and he, he pulls back a little bit from the shore, a little bit out, you know, off away from the shore. That's important. And he continues to teach. All right? And then, at the end of that, when he's finished teaching, when he's, when he's done giving us the revelations, then he says, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And what does Peter say immediately? He's, he's going, wait a minute. I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. This isn't going to work because I have been out all night and caught nothing. And here's what I'm saying. See, you see how the contradictory thoughts and beliefs and opinions come in? When, when Jesus is moving in Peter's heart, he's speaking a, 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 a creative word of revelation to Peter. He's giving him a prophetic word because he's about to ready to do something. He said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father do. So he saw the Father doing this, and then he took that in himself, in Jesus. He took it in himself, and then he, he told them to launch out into the deep and let down their nets for a catch, and that's what they did. And what did they get? Two boat sinking loads of fish. Okay? So, what is this all picture? On the shore pictures the first pool. These are three pools. When this pool fills up, it overflows into the second pool. When this pool fills up, it overflows into the third pool. Okay? The first pool is Jesus standing on the shore which is simply information, which is what you just got when I told you that story. You saw it in your mind. Saw Jesus preaching, saw the multitude, saw the, saw the boat come up, he gets in the boat, he preaches, they launch out in the deep, you saw the fish you know, almost sinking the boats, you saw all that. But it's only information until God does something with it, like what he did with that story, with me, to give you this illustration, which is, once you fill up this, this pool with information, in other words, you get in the secret place, you're reading, 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 you're filling your mind. You're saying, oh God, I'm not getting anything out of this. Okay, it's just like reading the New York Times. It's like reading Time Magazine. It's just like, you know, reading the latest novel. It's a history book, whatever. But if you continue and you pray, oh God, I pray that you will grant to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I might know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. You pray in that prayer, but all you're getting is information. But if you keep pumping it in there, eventually it overflows into the second pool, which is revelation. And that's not a weird word. It should happen to you almost daily. That's what makes prayer so awesome. I love it. I Delicious. The words exiting my lips are so soaked in honey. Secret place. Oh, wow. 
I love it. So, it's, mm, it's the best meal on the planet. Oh, God, open up that, that, that journal, that, 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 show me those pictures in that album. Oh, God, wow, I love it. And so, those revelations start to build up and you get one and another and another and another and pretty soon you're getting full of revelation. It's like, your mind's being blown. Your, your neural pathways are being renewed. You're beginning to see and think and hear. Your perspective is changing from earth to heaven, from the seen to the unseen. And the unseen becomes so real to you that, guess what? This pool begins to fill up and ultimately fills and begins to pour into the third pool, which is exactly what God wants to do when he takes us from from manifesto to manifestation. The third pool is demonstration, manifestation, transformation, and oftentimes it's your destination. I would suggest this to make all this start happening in your life. You get alone with God today. First thing in the morning, tomorrow. And this is what you do. Two things. I want you to get together with God and I want you to be absolutely, brutally honest. Honest! Maybe for the first time in your life with God, be honest with Him. Tell Him, I don't love you. I don't care about this stuff. I have very little interest in your word. Prayer is boring. I don't want anything to do with any of this. Just, you know, that's where I'm at. Tell them. And then say, God, put your love in me for you. Put a passion in me, a zeal in me for the secret place and for, and for your word that I can become, the, the, the seed can be deposited within me. And then I can begin to see this incredible transformation take place where I start to become who you called me to be and do the things you called me to do. And the second thing is, tell God your deepest, and this takes a while because the first, it's it's, tell God your deepest desires. The first desire is, oh God, I want $50 million. (laughs) God, I would love that $50 million. Mm-hmm. And, and then it filters down to more and more meaningful things, you know, to the point where maybe you're just going to say, God, just fill me with joy. That's just the ultimate. I mean, that's why I wanted to 50 million to get to the joy anyway. So, you know, maybe I need to rephrase this. That's what happens. God takes you down, 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 deeper and deeper into your own heart. And you get down there deep enough. And then, wow, things start to happen. Because, and here's the last thing. We got to go. Worship team. Um, here's the last thing. This is really important. This is so cool. I just, man, this week came to me. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words, my kingdom, download, photo album, words, abide in you, you ask whatever you want and I'm going to do it. I'll see that it happens. How many of us have prayed things that haven't happened? Let me, let me make a suggestion to you. You check this out. Are we dismissed?
Are we praying from here? <laughs> Good timing, that's all right. Are we praying? For, how many prayers are coming out of this poverty mindset down here? And how many prayers are coming from up here where, you know what this is? Talk about hope and glory. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the mystery of the gospel. Go ahead. And so let's let's make an effort by God's grace to abide in him. Fill your mind with his word. And then have his words, not not pulled out of you by all the circumstances and and the, the thoughts, the contrary opinions and beliefs of your own mind, but receive his word, let his word abide in us, and from that place we will pray, and God will answer. Thank you, Lord. Amen.